baby back door, baby fall off. Sipping codeine, cause I gotta kill a cow. Let me sit sideways in the big bins. Oh, you boys, they my brothers, they my friends. Listening to Brandon Drum. It's all good, OU fans. Colin Kennedy. Oklahoma has the guys once Saturday arrives. And Parker Thune. This looks like the year where it's all going to come together for the Sooners. This is the OU Insider Under the Visor podcast. another OU Insider Under the Visor podcast. I almost said post-game podcast. I'm here with my man Parker Thune. My name is Brandon Drum and we are in our weekly podcast where we talk about all things Oklahoma, Oklahoma recruiting. Obviously, this is going into the week of Oklahoma hosting Texas Tech. There's a lot of things going on with Texas Tech. Uh, new coach Matt Wells is out uh, five and three, and they fired Matt Wells, which is just kind of crazy. Um, you got the fact that they fired you. the fact that they fired Matt Wells isn't all that surprising because there were a lot of folks that wanted him gone after the 2020 season. The timing is definitely weird. <laughs> it's weird, man. Five and three, though. Like five, and, you're Texas Tech. Do they they realize that right? Legit, and they started what three and oh, four and oh, and it wasn't until Tyler Shuck got hurt that they really started to spiral out of control. So yeah, I thought, I thought I, I I mean, for my money, Matt Wells was doing a fine job, but they know something we don't know, I guess. I think Sonny Cumbie is going to be your next head coach for interim or not. I think that's who they pick. I agree with you. 100%. I think he's getting so, interim tag removed and like, you're not going to find yeah. a guy that loves Lubbock, Texas and Texas tech university. Like that guy. Nope. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. He loves Lubbock, Texas, and Fort Worth, Texas. Those are those are the homes of one Sonny Cumbie. And I'm going to sit here and tell y'all that if Sonny Cumbie becomes a head coach, and I know Oklahoma is really not going to have to worry about this because they're going to be gone outside of maybe the recruiting side of it, I guess. But there'll be a better program with Sonny Cumbie at the hill. And that guy knows how to coach. I know Sonny, so I'm not even going to going to front and say that the same, this, this may be a biased take, <laughs> but <laughs> the guy, the guy, the guy can coach, the guy can coach. Um, as a matter and of fact, he'll, I, you know, he'll instill a culture there, a culture that hasn't been at Texas tech yeah. in quite a while, because I mean, Texas tech was a stopover for Mike Leach. It was a stopover for Cliff Kingsbury. It was a stopover for Matt Wells. It might be the end game for Sonny Cumbie. If we're being honest with ourselves. Yeah, that's 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 his home. That's home for Sonny. I mean, he grew up 150 miles from Lubbock, Texas. So I mean, it, it's that's home for him. That's where that's what he knows. So I think that's a great spot for him. And I know we're talking you know about funny? Texas Tech. You know what's funny is that Mule Shoe and Snyder, where Sonny Cumbie grew up, are basically equidistant from Lubbock in opposite directions. They're both yeah, an 156. Hour's drive. Yeah, 156. 156 miles a piece, I believe, is the is the mileage, if I remember correct. I read that on Twitter, I believe, like earlier today, some point. <clears throat> and it didn't hit me because I can tell you all, I had no idea that Cumbie had been announced as the interim coach because I've been doing so many other things since I got home for my travels. And Parker can vouch for this. Like, I literally turned to him when we were <laughs> pre-podcast, like, wait, what? Cumbie? <laughs> That's the interim, and that's and I and then I started like reading over stuff, and then we got off on this Latrell McCutcheon stuff, which we're gonna get into here in just a bit. Uh, I know everybody saw the tweet today, <laughs> and we're here to tell you everything is all right. We promise. We 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 sourced it out. Parker knows. 
I mean, he heard it and the sourcing and everything like it, it's everything's all good in the hood for Latrell McCutcheon, but we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Obviously we're going to talk about what is ailing Latrell McCutcheon. And that is probably one key Lawrence at the cornerback position, but we're also going to touch on that. How long will they keep key Lawrence at the cornerback spot? Because I mean, thinks it's not going to be very long. And we kind of think that one Woody Washington is going to change that all up very quickly. And they kind of feel that Keith Lawrence is turning out to be quite the special safety for them. Um, and he's making plays. He is one of the few that is making plays right now. Well, and for here's Oklahoma what it boils defense. down to. Here's what it boils down to is once you get key or once you get Delarian Turner yell back in the mix, Keith Lawrence is a guy that based on the way he's played, recently he's a guy that you want to keep on the field as much as possible. And particularly with the cornerbacks struggling right now in the absence of Woody Washington, I know DJ Graham has been banged up as well, but uh, it's pretty clear. They need a, they need a stop gap. They need something to plug the hole until Woody Washington gets back. And it sounds like that's what key Lawrence is. Why wouldn't you put key Lawrence at nickel? If he's that good coverage with his, with his length, Especially with who you're going to go up against. I mean, Kohler's not exactly the easiest guy in the world to cover at six. No, I'll, and I'll throw this out there. I think you will see Lawrence in the nickel once you get Woody Washington back, which I'm based on everything I've been told. The expectation is that that'll be the Baylor game. And I think, yeah, right. you roll into a game Heard the like same. Iowa State, right? you saw the way that Charlie Kohler has had his way with the likes of Brandon Radley Hiles in the past. You're going to want a guy with some size, with some physicality to go up against a receiver of that ilk. And with that in mind, I think Hugh Lawrence is probably that guy. I don't know if he fully supplants Billy Bowman as the starter there. I don't know how that all shakes out, but I think one way or another, you'll see him get pretty significant snaps down the stretch and he will be a go-to guy. If not at corner, if not at safety, then certainly at nickel. Yeah. And you know, we're, we're brought up Billy Bowman and Alex Grinch talked about him the other day. He was asked, you know, what do you think about Billy? And he said, look, I mean, Billy's struggling at times. You see the freshman in him. You do. You see the freshman in him. But then he has flashes where he bats the ball down. You know, he's got a PBU or he comes up and makes a play on a and fills his run, fits his run gap the way he's supposed to in the lane, the way he's supposed to. Things of that nature where you kind of sit back and go, okay, this kid actually has a chance to be pretty special when it's all said and done. But what's he going to be special at? I don't know. I think, is he going to be a corner? Is he going to be a nickel? Are they, is he going to be moved to safety? I mean, there's a lot of different ways you can use Billy Bowman. And I think Alex Grinch, I think Roy Manning, I think they're just trying to figure out, okay, who are, is Oklahoma's best? I almost said R because I'm like talking as I'm them. And, but who is Oklahoma's best four or five defensive backs? And how do I fit them in a puzzle piece to where they can be one whole unit on the field together? Because if there's one thing we know about Alex Grinch, you are not one position with him. You have to be able to play multiple positions, whether it's Justin Broyles at safety and nickel, whether it's Jaden Davis at corner nickel, whether it's uh, Jeremiah Cradell at safety Nickel, the one guy I think that has stayed true, two guys I think that have stayed true to their positions, and they've been a staple at Oklahoma for almost four years now, has been JTY and Pat Fields, the two safeties. But that's not all safeties because you got Key Lawrence playing corner, probably some nickel later on in the season, and obviously he's coming around at the safety. I mean, we just talked to a source that said, look, He's coming around. OU does not want this guy to stick around at corner for very long. They hope he plays great. He was a cornerback at Tennessee, and that's something that totally I forgot all about because in my mind, he had always been a safety because of his height and his length and his body weight. But he was a good corner 
Tennessee actually. Like he was a that he, he was play. like he was he played was good. quite a bit as a true freshman. Yes, and I they want him to be that guy for them. But how he was starting to come around at the safety spot, knowing that DTY's days are numbered, knowing that Pat Phil's days are numbered in Norman, you need those neck that next wave of player to come in and say, okay, this is my position. This is where I'm going to to find my spot. And they were kind of hoping that was going to be Key Lawrence and Justin Harrington. And those were going to be your dudes, like your big, strong, physical defensive backs, whether it was at corner or safety. And obviously, Justin Harrington bailed out on him. And, and the weird thing about it, I'm going to tell people something that nobody knows right now. So Justin Harrington, and this is, I've got this confirmed on multiple levels, by the way. That guy, <laughs> that guy was going to the, the week that, and I can't remember which week it was, whether it was a TCU that he ended up going to the transfer portal. Or was it before that? Was it was it before that? I think it was before Texas. Was it before it? Texas? I knew it was either TCU. It was either right after or right before. That was what I was thinking. But I can't remember because it's been this has been such a whirlwind of a year as far as like drama for Oklahoma. The yeah, weirdest you know what, no, eight no season I've, I've ever seen in my life, by the way. Oh, legit. But no, now that I think about it, I think it might have been the week even even a week before that. So yeah, so I can't remember. We, I can't. Yeah, I can't that's what it was. That's what it was. It was two days before the Kansas State game, the Thursday. Of I broke week. the story, and I can't remember when it was. <laughs> but let me tell you all this. This is what I know. This is what I know. I know that the day before, he had told compliance, "I'm going in the portal." And OU staff said they asked to hold off on it. They talked him back in to go on out to practice. He goes out to practice. He's going to play whatever game that was, whether it was West Virginia. I do believe it was West Virginia, actually. It was Kansas State. And, okay, it was Kansas State. It was Kansas State week. That's correct. That was Kansas State week. So the Kansas State week, he was going to play. He was most likely going to start at the cornerback position. And he still decided after the practice that they talked to him to go back in, that he was just going to go ahead and go in the portal. Uh, it, it's been that year for Oklahoma. That's, I mean, I don't know any other way to say it's just been that weird year for Oklahoma. Because how do you get a guy that's going to be in the road at the very least be a staple in your game plan and say, yeah, I'm good. I just don't want to play anymore. I'm going to go on the portal. So now he's got to go to NC state or something like that. Most likely get closer to home from what I'm hearing is the most likely, I think wake forest might be a, might be a stop for him as well. Wake's playing some good ball right now. Yeah. And I think he would fit in to what they do defensively, honestly. Uh, so I, either way, you know, we wish him luck, but at the same time, it's like, what are you doing? You know, like why, why would you, why would you make that move? Like why leave? Why leave whenever you're going to have a chance to be, you know, at least play 40, 50 snaps in a game on national television. And you're talking a guy that looked like he was this summer when you're at, I, you know, my son went to a couple of their camps we went and covered like their elite camps and he looked like he was all in out there working with Roy Manning. Did he not? Like he looked like he bought into everything. Yeah. He's out there helping. I mean, it it just, that's a weird deal. So you have the potential of having key Lawrence and Justin Harrington in 2022 as like your lead guys. And you add obviously Latron McCutcheon and whoever else they decide, Joshua Eaton, it doesn't matter. Whoever they decide to play those defensive back positions later on. And now it's all jumbled. It's all jumbled now. I think next year, obviously, you're going to have, and that's, and this is both you and I assuming that Pat Fields doesn't return, which he very well could. And we're assuming that DTY doesn't return which we're assuming that he could I actually think DTY probably will return to be honest with you. Uh, but 
He's he a junior or a senior? I feel like he's a senior, right? He is a senior, so he would have the COVID yeah. year if. But he, he has a COVID year. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So, and see, and he's missed so many games that, for some odd reason, in my head, I feel like he's redshirted because <laughs> he's been injured. Like it's always something. Like as far as like most of the time, it's been his upper body because of how he always throws his body around to hit. Like he's very physical. Yes, he is. He's one of the guys that you can guarantee is going to be physical and he's going to hit you. Uh, they call him trouble for a reason, <laughs> but I, I, I just, you, you have next year. And I know people are like, what are you talking about next year for? Well, I'm talking about it because you have Latrell McCutcheon out here tweeting about, you know, you're done when you're done type of stuff. And what's the exact phrasing of that? Do you remember the exact wording of it? I figured you would. He said at some point you're just done. done. Dot, dot, dot. Yep. Well, take a deep breath Sooners fans because that's handled. There's some frustrations. He's in his feelings. It happens. But from everything that I've been told, it's all good. Like the kid's good to go and he's going to play. He's going to play. So, and I think it has a lot to, wouldn't you assume? I mean, I, we don't, we actually don't know this for, for sure, but we assume it has a lot to do with key Lawrence getting moved to corner over. That him. would, yes, that would naturally, you know, you would assume that would be the, uh, yeah, the, in the inference, I suppose, because, you know, you play your entire season at cornerback and eight games into the year, they move a guy who hasn't repped at cornerback all year into that role, which presumably will only be for a game or two at most until Woody Washington gets back. But still, especially for a true freshman, somebody that came in with as much promise as Latrell McCutcheon and has played some good ball at times over the first half of the season, you can see how it would be a little demoralizing for that type of situation to unfold. So right. look, you have a hundred plus guys on a football team. You have maybe 30 or 35 that are going to get regular snaps. And so mm-hmm. there's going to be some frustration at a certain point along the line for those guys that feel they're good enough, but maybe aren't getting the type of playing time that they feel they warrant. And this is an example of this. Look, he's a freshman. He's young. I I understand that while he is talented, I I will say that maybe there's maybe this is a teaching moment for Lincoln Riley and his staff where they explain to him, Hey, there's more to this than, and there's more to these decisions than what you guys see. And here's what I do know though. There is nobody that lives and breathes Oklahoma quite like Latrell McCutcheon. From the second that dude committed, he has been all in on the Sooners. And so he's not going anywhere. He's not. That is not a concern at this point, whether now or in the future. Latrell McCutcheon is a Sooner for life. You can bet on that. Yeah, no, I I don't think if you're an OU fan, I don't think I'd be worried about him transferring. Now, you watch... We say that, and he's going to go out and (laughs) next thing you know, he's in the... He's in a, uh, the transfer portal. <laughs> so <laughs> would that not be our look? <laughs> you guys said he wasn't going to transfer and he just hopped in the transfer portal the day after you dropped a podcast. Oh gosh. That no, would I'm not kidding. go over. It's well not going to happen. It's not going to happen. No, won't. Chill out, chill out, chill out, chill out, chill out. Breathe folks. Um, <clears throat> you know, I- I've been doing a lot of thinking of this 35, 23 game, Kansas. And obviously OU insider message boards. And if you're not a member, you don't know what I'm talking about. You might Twitter has been similar, I guess, but you have to take what, okay. Imagine Twitter where there's millions of Oklahoma fans on there, right? Just, just imagine this people listeners. Now imagine Twitter with those millions of people and now minus, I don't know. I bet we have six, seven thousand people on our board somewhere. I don't know. We're around. We're we're around there. Like it's a our lot. Our board. People. Our board is a social media group for OU football fans. That's really what it is. It is. 
It is. And there's lots, I mean, there's a bunch of people, they pay for it. Obviously they pay for the membership because they pay for the information that we give. So I'm just explaining it for listeners that don't understand that have never been to the OU Insider VIP. I'm trying to explain this to you guys. So it's like a Twitter group and, or a Facebook group, but this is instead filled with people that pay for the information that we give because we give insider information that you, you hear the stuff that we talk about, like the Lentroma McCutcheon stuff and or the Key Lawrence stuff that we just talked about. Well, the Key Lawrence stuff has been on our board. Parker put it up. Um, I heard about it a couple of days ago. Parker released it uh, uh, 40, 36 hours ago, something to that extent. Uh, about Key Lawrence playing and starting, and it's going to be DJ Graham and Key Lawrence starting at cornerback, most likely, most likely this Saturday versus Texas Tech. We'll see. They get to know this stuff long before you guys do. Okay. And it's not to say they're better, they're just insiders of the, those thousands and thousands of people, whatever, 10,000 or whatever we have on there. As far as paying members, it's a lot. And the board, I mean, we have over, we have almost 16 million page views this month. So just throwing that out there, like, and this month still has five days left. So, um, but imagine that in the knowledge that you all encompass on Facebook and Twitter. Now imagine the insiders and what they know that's going on inside the program and a lot of these people are well-connected donors and regents and stuff like that. So they bring stuff to the board that you won't get on Twitter or Facebook or anything like that. Cause it's behind a paywall and not everybody can see it. Now um, that information gets thrown on there on top of the play on top of our information. And you can imagine the vitriol that is going on on Twitter, multiply it by a million. And that's what you get on OU Insider right now, because they are pissed. Now, after rewatching the game last night on ESPNU, I have to say that it was bad. Very, 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 very bad. But... The fourth quarter, the signs of life that I did see from Oklahoma, I can't sit there and say, like, it's like the worst doom and gloom I've ever seen. Yeah, it's Kansas, and they played, like, S-H-I-T, bro. Like, I mean, straight up. Like, they played, like, the worst pile of crap you could ever play. But they figured out some things and woke up, and when they woke up, they were pretty dominant. <laughs> I mean, straight they up. They had dominant. five drives in the second half. They scored on all five. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was getting at. And it kind of shocked me how much the defense's play kind of overshadowed how good the offense was in the second half. Cause it was outside of those fourth downs where Caleb had to be Superman. They were pretty damn good. Like pretty damn good. And that's just the crazy part about it. Like, and because when you go back and you rewatch it, you're like, golly, this is so bad in the first half, both sides of the ball. <clears throat> it made me sick to rewatch, honestly. As somebody that covers it and knows football, you can see what needs to happen on those plays. And it's not happening, not even close, Parker. Like, <clears throat> they pull a GT counter. The tackle and the guard didn't even make it to the center before they were hit because they were loafing to pull. Yeah, the offensive line was atrocious. atrocious. It was bad. But the second half was a completely different story offensively. We can talk defense all day. That was just straight, shh, you know what I mean? Like it was bad. But the offense had, I saw signs of life. Now you got to see if there's signs of life defensively on Saturday. Cause I think if there's not signs of life Saturday going into this bye week, it is going to be the worst two weeks of covering Oklahoma football that I will ever experience. I can promise you, even if they're nine and zero, it's going to be awful. Non-stop, non-stop bickering. 
because you know, right, that there's going to be take that divide. A <laughs> there's going to be that divide. There are going to be people that say, oh, they're nine and oh, it's the month of November. They haven't lost in November since 2014. Obviously, they're going to run the table. Everything is fine. They're just working out kinks. And then there's going to be the portion of the fan base that says the sky is falling. And I'm not sure, like, I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm not sure either camp is 100% correct. That's, I don't how, think I the sky, That's how I feel, too. Yeah, I don't think the sky is falling. I'm also not convinced Oklahoma finishes the regular season undefeated. And Josh Pate, our uh, host of the late kick on the 24-7 Sports National mm-hmm. Network, uh, he he said something super astute the other day, and I'll repeat it, on his show where he took a couple of minutes to recap the Oklahoma-Kansas game. He said, as you look at these uh, next four games, individually, yeah, you'd take Oklahoma to win all four. Collectively, no way. Yeah. But the good thing is you get to play them individually. So That's there's true. still a good chance that there's still a good chance Oklahoma goes undefeated. <laughs> you get to play them so, individually, but... And, no, and that's the thing, like you don't know what team's going to show up. And I think that's probably the biggest, I, you know, and I'm going to give Eddie Radosevich from Sooner Scoop some, uh, some pub for his uh, tweet video the other day. He doesn't need my pub. The guy's freaking hilarious and he does his own thing. I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing I mean, he knows what he's doing on social media. He's, he's very good at it. And but he got on there and I'm sure you saw it where he was like, well, I can't remember exactly. It was like something about fix something or fix it. Or he was just find saying, it. figure it out, figure it out, figure it out. Yeah. Figure it out, figure it out. I think that's how we all feel right now. Like figure the damn thing out. Like seriously, how hard is it to fix this problem? Well, and, and there I was some, there was some questions today that I, and, and I'm sorry, I just want to get this out here and no, then you go can ahead. go for, 20 minutes for all I care. No, but please go ahead. I just, there was a, Eric, Eric Bailey asked a question and I, I'm pretty sure it was Eric Bailey from the Tulsa world today. And I asked a question and I think I asked some pretty hard questions today. If y'all I'm going to post it up on OU insider. And if y'all want to know, like I, I kind of got into some of the guys a little bit because I was like, okay, I want to see where they're at mentally type of deal. Well, I asked Shane Witter, I said, dude, like you've played a lot better individually. You've played great, but it took, and I said this, I said, but it took Alex Crinch calling you out publicly for how you were on and off the field. What changed? And he went into it. Like, you know, he felt like he was this, this, and this, and he answered that he answered the question eloquently and he took the hard question and he did what he was supposed to do as a player. And he knew I wasn't coming after him. I just wanted to know, why did it take that point for him to change? And he answered it fair. It was a fair question and he answered it fairly. Well, I asked Nick Benito, is it hard to get these freshmen to stay focused? And you know what he said? And I think this is going to piss off the OU fans more than anything because it's going to make them feel like there's zero leadership on this team, which I do not think is the case. I think the fact of the matter is that there is leadership that he's owning it. Like Nick Benito is owning this crap right now. And he said this, he goes, yeah, it is. It's hard to keep these guys focused. He goes, but it starts with us as leaders and we weren't focused. If we, if we're not focusing and practicing hard, why the hell should they practice hard? Bingo. It's a lead by example deal. And I was like, damn, like, wow. Like you're going to be that blunt about like, you're admitting that you did not do your job. Nick's a blunt guy, man. He'll tell it like it is. And I thought that, I thought that was, I thought that was, I, I feel like, and again, we're going to find out on Saturday. <laughs> they're 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 and, and obviously what we hear, how practice has been, it's just been like a beat the crap out of each other every day type of practices, basically like they're, they're, they're going into this bye week and they're throwing the, the, everything in the kitchen sink at them. And basically saying, y'all, it's not just us. Coaches are saying, it's not just us. You guys have got to do your job on the field. We're tired of taking the beating from everybody else. This is you all too. And I think the players are owning up to it. And I know for a fact that the coaches have 
<laughs> employed some tactics the last few days that they haven't employed all season just because mm-hmm. they're fed up. Mm-hmm. They're as fed up as anybody. Mm-hmm. And, and this is us I, telling you stuff that we normally don't say publicly, by the way. Because we want y'all to see is, how pissed off they are. They're yeah, pissed. You, you, y'all are not the only Coaches ones are that are upset right now. Everybody yeah. in that building is upset with how they played on Saturday and how they've played thus far this year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They want a complete game. And I, and I, I want people to understand, and, and I want to go back to this Eric Bailey question too, because I thought it was an interesting question and an interesting theory and an interesting answer from Nick Benito. But it hasn't been, the defense has not been bad all year. And the people that say that, I just want to lose. I just want to throw something at them. I really do. Like, well, they've been bad all year. What? No, 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 no. So let's, let's put it to you like this. Everybody wants to say, well, they gave up 35 to Tulane. They did. But do you all remember the short field that they got with a uh, turnover on downs inside? Oh, you went for a fourth and one and didn't get it in their own inside their own 50 on the negative side of the 50 yard line. So they only had to go like 45 yards to score. And then uh, Rattler throws an interception on the negative side again, where they only had to go what 33, 35 yards to score the other touchdown. And people are acting like, well, they gave up 35. Okay. They gave up really 21 points not counting the turnovers did 21. If OU wins 40 to 21, how pissed off are OU fans after that game? They're not, they're not mad. How pissed off are OU fans against Kansas state? They gave up 31. They really only gave up 17 points because Rattler threw an interception on the neck. Exactly. Kick return touchdown yeah. in negative side of the uh the negative side of the 50 yard line, rather through another interception. How about how about Texas? Let's get into all the points Texas scored, right? I'll give you play one. That was the worst tackling I've ever seen in my life. It was the worst pursuit I've ever seen. But your starting safety came up limp trying to chase the guy down on a screen. And so that's why the guy actually broke to the third level. He probably should only gained about seven yards, but DTY pulls up limp with a hamstring. And so there's nobody to catch him once he broke past Jaden Davis. Should he have gotten past Jaden Davis? No, no, but that's, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about why the touchdown was scored. The dude pulled his hamstring. And he couldn't even run. Like he walked straight to the sideline. <laughs> like, I'm not even going to try chasing the dude down. I'm going to the sideline and I cannot play. He didn't play another play the rest of the rest of the game. He just wasn't the same. And that's why you haven't seen DTY. Excuse or not, it's a fact that that happened. That literally happened during the game. So there's what there's seven. You got two more turnovers. So there's 21 on the negative side, fumble and interception, right? And that's why you have Caleb Williams in there now. So outside of that, there was, how many actual drives did they do where they actually scored? Two? Okay, so both. And the field goals, they stopped on, there's a lot of field goals, by the way. There were. Yeah, they kicked, they had two field goal drives. I would, I want to say they had Mm. two legitimate, really solid touchdown drives. So 20 points. So you're looking at 20 points given up. Now, are you, are you pissed off? Are you pissed off if you give up 20 points? No, but I, I'll say this. I am pissed off if I look in the box score and see, oh, Casey Thompson completed 20 passes. That, like that, that's fair. Yards and five touchdowns. That is fair. That's a fair. That's fair. That's fair. That is fair. But if you actually look at the, the line, would it three, he had like 150 of those 380 on three plays. Yeah, I, I suppose that's true. I mean, he he yeah he did. 
there were there were some big and plays that contributed to that. But then again, like you go back. But to they Robert shut Bruce. him down the second half, right? They did down the stretch. He didn't. He didn't really do anything big. the second half. Yeah, that defense came up big, and you know why, Brandon? You know why? It's because they started to get pressure on Casey Thompson. Yeah, weird. And that this goes to and and before I get to the, I keep saying this, but yeah, before I get to the Eric Bailey thing, that is kind of what I was getting at. This is an excuse because no matter how you slice it, the defense has played awful at times this year, flat out awful at times, but guess what? For a good portion of the first half, first four games of the season, they were pretty dominant to be honest with you. 13 points a game, not bad, not a bad start. at my first four games only averaging 13 points a game, get to the Texas game. Not very good. Not very good in the first quarter and a half. I will give you, it you was some of the lumps. worst defense ever because <laughs> they got the punt, re- punt. Yeah. They, they scored on a, they scored on a punt block too, three yards. They went a whole three yards to get in the end zone. Yeah. What the freaking do. And people are going to blame the defense on that because they scored seven points. But my point is, is yes, the defense has played bad at times, but they've also played really good at times, like very, very good at times, as a matter of fact. And OU is nine and or eight. No, excuse me. could be nine and oh, because of the defense, the first four games of the season, the offense was what everybody was griping about. Oh my God. They can't score points. Thank God. OU has a good defense. Were those not the words everybody was saying? That would, those were exactly the words everyone was saying. Uh, yeah, it's weird. And now people forgot about that, didn't they? Anyways, it's been bad. It's been very bad at times. It's been downright awful, almost embarrassing for OU fans at times. I don't mean to say almost embarrassing. It's been embarrassing for OU fans at times, to be honest with you. I'm sure they're pissed off and embarrassed. At, and I know they were Kansas and TCU's got to be another embarrassing showing for the defense. And guess what? The defensive people probably know it. I actually, I know they know it. So you're not the only ones pissed off. OU fans is I guess what we're getting at, but Eric Bailey asked from Tulsa world asked Nick Benito a question. I thought was interesting. He said, do you think Jalen Redman is going to make a significant dif- difference in the play? Because they were so good at getting pressure to start the season whenever he was healthy. And he said this, and I thought it was an interesting answer. I'm paraphrasing people. I'm not quoting. Ultimately, he said he makes a difference, but he's not the end all. He's a significant player in our pass rush and how we line up defensively because you can move Isaiah Thomas back outside. And now you have Jalen Redman shooting a gap on the interior and or sliding him out and flipping it. When you flip both those guys, because they both can play inside outside, it causes problems for the offensive line. But he said it wasn't the end all. He said ultimately it was up to them to go hard every play, to figure out a way. There's no excuses. It doesn't matter who's blocking you or who's doing what. You've got to find a way to get to the quarterback no matter what. And he said we've got to get back to that mindset of who cares what people are doing to us. It's our job to do our job, and that's it. And I thought that was interesting that they're in that mindset now of back to where they were. Because you heard that talk to start the season, but it stopped. I'm interested to see, again, Saturday, is this all talk? Actions speak louder than words, right? Are they going to be that team Well, that you feel they can be? And from everyone, everybody that I've talked to close to the program early in the week, you know, the, the term I keep hearing thrown around is wake up game. That Kansas game was a wake up game. And naturally, and this was my reaction to a lot of people are going to look at that and yeah. go, well, the, the, why does it take the that first, long? the first seven games of the season weren't enough of a wake up. Exactly. And so that's, that's fair. But at the same time, I don't know that we have ever seen Oklahoma sleepwalk into a game as hard as they sleepwalked into that game against Kansas. Oh my God. Quite understandably, there was a lot of turmoil in that locker room after the game was over. There were a lot of emotions and none of them were 
thrill and or pleasure. And so hopefully this is the wake up call that the Sooners need at this point, because things I know we talk about it a lot, but things aren't getting easier once November rolls around and you're going to have to work mm. if you want to get through the rest of the schedule undefeated and keep that spotless November record under Lincoln Riley intact. So I, <laughs> I look, I'm not a fan of throwing the term wake up game around just because like I said, I'm very much in that camp that believes oh, like what, what, <laughs> why did it, why did that need to be the wake up game? Like was the Tulane game, not the wake up game was the West Virginia game, not the wake up game was the Texas game, not the wake up games. So I seven totally games, seven games. Would you yeah. just decide you were going to take a slumber starting in August? So again, <laughs> I don't know how much stock to put into all of that. But what I'm telling you is everybody within the program is just as pissed as every, every one of you on the outside. They are. In they are. That's and true. saying, wow, this sucks. Yeah. That, that was totally me just trying to stir the pot, by the way. Um, I, I know. I know. Look, yeah. 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 I'm good at that sometimes. Um, so let me ask you something. What do you, what are your keys to this weekend? Is it key? No, I see what you did there. Ah. Clever. Clever. No, my key honestly is DJ Graham because I would imagine he's mm. the one that's going to get matched up with Eric Azukanma, who is he or, like, or did you, but, but well, what, what, why? Because it isn't he originally well, from Tennessee because, as well. So why wouldn't you have Key Lawrence on him? I mean, that's I get that, but at the same time, I don't know that you take a guy who's been seeing his first practice reps at corner all year this week and match on one of the best in the Big Twelve, Big 12 <laughs> wide receiver. Yeah, yeah. So look, I'm not I'm not saying Key Lawrence doesn't line up against Eric Azukanma. I'm just saying in my eyes, it makes more sense to give DJ Graham that assignment just because he's been working Fair. at cornerback for two years. And so Fair. they've got to lock him down. And I know Texas tech has other weapons. Jalen Geiger's a great receiver. They've got plenty of plenty of weapons that could hurt Oklahoma in the passing game. But Eric Ezekama is the guy Like give Texas tech challenges. OU in this game, they're going to need a strong performance from Eric Ezekama. They're just going to have to have it. And so yeah. that puts a lot of responsibility on DJ Graham's shoulders to be the guy that goes and shuts down as a comma, because look, Sonny Cumbie was ra raised in the air raid discipline under Mike Leach. He played under Mike Leach for five years. He started for Mike Leach in 2004 and led the nation in passing yards. He coached mm -hmm. under Mike Leach. He both played and coached alongside Lincoln Riley. So the guy's no stranger to putting the ball in the air. And if I'm Sonny Cumbie and I've watched the game film from Oklahoma's last couple of games in preparation for this contest, shoot, I'm running the ball as little as possible on Saturday. I am making this secondary yeah. prove that they can stop me before I shift my game plan away from the aerial attack. And so I expect Sonny Cumbie to come out guns blazing. And I would expect that Henry Columbia or Donovan Smith, whichever one we see in an extended capacity uh, is going to put the ball in the air and put it in the air pretty frequently. And it's up to the secondary to prove that they can go toe to toe with this passing attack Because look, it's a prove it week for them. And it kind of, it kind of feels like it's been a prove it week for Oklahoma. Most of the games this season, yeah. but the secondary has been so maligned this last week and so heavily criticized for the performance that they put on the field against Kansas, that they need a bounce back game in the worst way. And this is an opportunity to do just that. And it's not going to be easy, but if you show up, you play your football and you bring, <laughs> you bring the challenge to them. Don't let them hit you in the mouth and keep that intensity start to finish. You're going to be just fine. So I'm with you. I actually think DJ Grant, I just think the whole secondary is the key. I think DTY coming back is big. I think Keith Lawrence 
is big. I think Graham's big. I think Pat Fields is big. I think Justin Broyles is big. And I know the last two I just named, everybody just, oh, you fans, you heard a collective groan whenever I said those two names, by the way. Oh, Pat Fields and Justin Broyles, really. And I'm sitting here telling y'all, like, Pat Fields, you don't ever get burnt. I can tell you that. He doesn't get burnt deep. That's a good thing. That's that's a good thing. Ultimately, people want to get mad about the cross the middle stuff and all that. Folks, he doesn't get burnt deep. And I think that uh, OU would take no big plays over dink and dunks all day because eventually I, they I, figure they can get a stop. I'm with you 100% because, look, big plays can beat you. Dink and dunks, yep. if Oklahoma is playing to their potential offensively, they're not going to lose a football game because the opponent's no. dinking and dunking them to death. That's what nope. Kansas did, and it didn't work out. Yeah, and I didn't even name Billy Bowman, but I think he's big. I actually think Latroma Cutchin, Josh Eaton, I think all those guys are big because obviously they're going to rotate and they're going to get those guys in. I mean, I'm anxious to see with the move of Key Lawrence how much we ultimately see of, you know, uh, uh, Washington. Uh, Oh my gosh, I just went blank. BJ Bryson Washington. Washington? Bryce, Bryson Washington. Bryson Washington. Bryson Washington. Bryson BJ Dang, man. I'm like all over the place today. Bryson Washington. You were halfway between so, Bryson Washington and RJ Washington. I was. And I just totally am in my own little world today on zero sleep. Um, yeah, that that's kind of where I'm at is how much because fans have been clamoring for him. He's made plays on special teams. He has an interception that he almost returned for a touchdown earlier this year. And so you kind of figure maybe you give him some run if he's done enough in practice. Yeah. Kendall Dennis, where's he at right now? Like those are players that I'm, I'm anxious to see. (laughs) Oh, Brandon. I don't know if you saw the note I put up on Kendall Dennis, Dennis last week, but the, uh, Uh the reports on him are not flattering. No, they aren't. I I know that, but I just, why I want to know where he's at. Like what? What's he doing these days? Like, like where? Because fans ask about that all the time. Uh, he's he he was at corner. I know they moved him to corner, and we haven't seen him since. So, and as bad as cornerbacks have been, he must be just flat up not playing well at all. Because if he was anyway halfway decent, they would have thrown him out there. And then, I would have to say, you know. Damon Harmon, I, I'm interested to see what they do with him. Um, there's just a lot of guys I feel like you could give because some guys don't practice particularly well and they play better on game days than they do practice because there are those guys. And so I feel like maybe you just give them a shot. You got to do something. You got to shake something up because what you're exactly. doing now well, and, isn't working. And- and conversely, Brandon, Figure it out! Guys, <laughs> and conversely, there are some guys that practice great and then play like crap on Saturdays. So <laughs> very true. Very ga- true. Gamers. That's a real phenomenon. Gamers are it a real is. thing. So yeah, I, I'm interested to see what some of those guys would do with a shot like that in a game that we haven't seen a whole lot. And then maybe don't practice great, but that have the physical potential and have the intellectual potential to succeed on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. They just yep. they, they need answers. They need answers. Okay. Okay. So what do you think Caleb does? Williams does this week. Do you see a big game out of him statistically, or do you see Kennedy Brooks doing his thing? Well, here's the reality as it pertains to Texas tech, that team sucks defensively. (laughs) Like they have absolutely nothing going for them on the defensive side of the flip fair. So Lincoln Riley probably takes the first drive, gets a feel for what's going to give him the best opportunity to break the game open, whether that's sticking with a run first, uh, offensive attack around the field, Williams throw it and, He's going to employ that strategy for the rest of the game. But man, as long as Oklahoma avoids turnovers offensively, they will have their way with Texas tech because 
And I don't know what it is about that program. They have never been able to put a half decent defense on the field, even for one season. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. It's just, it never happens in Lubbock. In fact, year in and year out, at least of late, they have some of the worst defenses in the entire country. Statistically. I mean, bottom five, bottom 10, and it is no different this year. So as long as Oklahoma avoids turning the ball over, they're going to be just fine offensively. Yeah. And I, I actually think, I, I actually think he's going to throw for about 275, three touchdowns. He's probably going to run for about 70 and a touchdown. That's probably, that's uh, kind of where I'm figuring he's at. And then Kennedy Brooks and Eric Gray kind of share the load the rest of the time and, and get what they get. Um, what's your score prediction? I think, I think Oklahoma wins. I think Texas tech covers the spread. I'm going to say your final score. What's the spread is, at right now? It's 19 and a half. Oklahoma is favored by 19 and a half. Oh yeah. I saw that earlier. That's right. I'm going to say your final score is 55 to 38. Think you're in for a high scoring affair. Ooh. Texas Tech gets the backdoor cover. And that's that. Okay, I'm here for you, you fans. I'm here for you, okay? I'm here for you. And I want to say that I personally have not been on this bandwagon over the last three weeks, but I'm gonna jump back on it. And I say that the defense only allows 24 points and that's total first and second string. And I say the score is going to be 56, 24 when it's all said and done, Oklahoma. Brandon, this is either going to pay off for you and you're going to look like Mm. a genius or people yes. are going to leave you alone for this score prediction all next week. Because Go ahead. Be like, why, why, why did you think that was going to happen? Because I'm trying to, I'm trying to get, you know what? I may not have the most faith in what I just said, but <laughs> <laughs> positive vibes, but I'm trying to send out positive vibes to you. OU fans that have been in disarray for the last two weeks, wanting to jump off the proverbial college football cliff and I'm trying to help you all with some positivity here, guys. Again, I don't know how much I believe in what I just said, but I'm going to go, what did I say, 56-24? 32-point victory. There we go, guys. 32-point wow. win by Oklahoma. You heard it here first. And if I'm wrong, I still can say I wasn't very confident because I noted that. And when I said that, see, that's called fence riding, folks. <laughs> that's called fence riding. Cause I really don't have very much faith. I'm gonna be honest, but I want you guys to have feel my positive, somewhat positive vibes, even though they're fake. Um, let's close this out with recruiting before we close it out. Cause I know you got to get to class to finish out your yeah, master's gotta, degree. Mr. Master's. I got to spend two and a half hours of my life in academia. Yeah. Um, obviously big, uh, there's a big visitor. We'll, we'll get to the OU official visitor here in just a minute, because it's at a position that OU fans want so very badly for them to have somebody in besides Relique Brown. I kind of just gave it away to wide receiver, but there's a big visit happening in Columbus, Ohio with one hero canoe. And he is visiting the Buckeyes. It's down. I visited Notre Dame this past weekend and it didn't go as swimmingly as I think everybody thought it might. Interesting. It seems like it seems like this is an Oklahoma and Ohio State battle. I put in a crystal ball early for Hero Canoe, and but I also put it in with the grounds. I said, "Look, man, I think this is Ohio State Oklahoma battle." I said it from the jump, and I could very well flip this thing. And I don't flip it if like the kid's going to announce it in like a week or two. I usually just swallow it and take the hit. But I also know he's not going to announce until All-American game later on this year. So 
I think the German four-star defensive lineman is down between Oklahoma and Ohio State. He's going to take a visit to Georgia. His mom is flying from Georgia back to Germany when it's all said and done. As a matter of fact, she flew in and did 10-day quarantine. Uh, Oklahoma flew her in. She did flew her in early, 10-day quarantine, worked with the NCAA, worked with the compliance, worked with all the other schools together so that they could fly her, fly her in 10 days early, get her quarantined and get that thing all fixed. So um, I think that it's an Oklahoma, Ohio state battle. We're going to find out this week if it's going to be the Buckeyes or Oklahoma, in my opinion, or at least over the next few weeks, because he loves, he loves Ohio state. He does, but he also loves Oklahoma Oklahoma's doing all they can to make that happen. And we also know that Oklahoma's in on four-star Owasso defensive lineman, Chris McClellan. They are going to take him no matter what. It doesn't matter if they're full or not. Chris McClellan being in-state, one of the top guys, he has a take for OU no matter what. And I think that Oklahoma's in a good spot. I still think I would pick Florida right now if I was going to pick somebody. That's just my gut. My gut says Florida. Florida came in and saw him play this past Friday. Oklahoma uh, was there a couple of weeks prior whenever I was out there in Owasso. You're actually going to go see him. So you'll have more information on this later on. But obviously, I will. You heard, you'll heard some of the conversation that I had with his dad. And it does seem that there is a very um, up and down back and forth with Oklahoma going on right now. And I, Oklahoma is going to have to figure out whether they're going to push hard for him or not down the stretch, because I think a decision could be made by November 10th. If I was to get, that's just kind of a rough draft second week of November type of deal that I think some, you, you might be able to know exactly what's going on with Chris McClellan. Uh, Obviously, Oklahoma has an official visitor in with, uh, and it's a familiar name for those that don't, you're going to understand the last name, Anderson. It is actually Rodney Anderson's younger brother, former All-American running back at the University of Oklahoma, All-Big 12 running back, Cincinnati Bengal, former Cincinnati Bengal running back. Uh, He's rehabbing his knees right now. He just got engaged in front of OU fans at the stadium, which was a really cool deal. But his four-star at Katy, Texas, four-star wide receiver Nicholas Anderson is coming up on an official visit this weekend. He's committed to Oregon. Now, I seeing, seeing Nicholas flip, it would be – it is not a guarantee, I guess is what I'm about to say. It's not a guarantee he ends up in the class. Would not you a guarantee say it's at all. a likelihood, Brandon? You went right there, didn't you? Um, I I don't know how to answer that, to be honest, because I think it's ultimately going to go how this visit visit. And, and I say that I know that's it's not what y'all wanted to hear. You would think that, yes, there would be a likelihood. But people I talk to, they act like maybe mom and dad want this more than the kid does. Number one. Number two, maybe he's doing a favor for the older brother. And number three, the I'm told the dad, Anderson's dad, and the wide receiver coach for Oregon kind of go back a ways. Now, obviously, the Andersons in Oklahoma go a long ways, but it's just a lot of convincing of why they didn't push hard for him to begin with when they were full up with four wide receivers committed to him. And I think that's hard for him to swallow because he grew up loving Oklahoma so much because of his brother that it hurt. And now that they started pushing for him back in June and there was a lot of pushback, like, no, I'm not interested in you guys. Finally, Nicholas is opening up to Oklahoma. We'll see if that pays off later on down the line. But as far as a family and as far as a player, you're not going to find a better family, a harder working family, a more class act family than Anderson's. We've seen that with Rodney. We've seen that with how they dealt with everything it's it, there. 
they're a pretty special family. And that's something Oklahoma would love to have in the program again. Are they going to? That's yet to be seen. I think this weekend, how this visit plays out in the end, can they ultimately get him to see and remember how much he loves the University of Oklahoma is going to be make or break for them and what they can do for him career-wise. I think that is that is the biggest deal because it is not guaranteed. Let me, let me, let me throw another conversation out there, Brandon. And I want to hear your thoughts on it regarding the whole wide receiver situation at OU prior to this year, we kind of figured, okay, well, if there's one receiver that's going to jump for the NFL at season's end, just based on what he's already put on tape and where he's at in his college career, we kind of figured it would have been Mike Woods, right? But <laughs> Jaden Hazelwood mm, has four touchdowns in his last two games. He's starting to look like mm-hmm. the five-star talent that Oklahoma brought him in and knew he could be. So, okay. no, I know where you're thoughts? going with this. Do you think he could leave? Yeah, uh, I think so. I think he could leave, but here's the thing. Like, have you all ever seen a Jaden Hazelwood catch that wasn't contested? Think about all the catches that he's made. They've all been contested. I talked to a scout up in the press book, multiple actually. And they said the same thing I'm saying right now. And and, uh, as a matter of fact, I asked the question, how much stock do you put into the fact that every time a player makes a catch that it's contested? And they said a ton, because that means he's not getting great separation. So uh, it's interesting. Yes. Yes. I think he could leave. I think he needs to show better separation. Once he does that, I think there's a really good chance that Hazelwood could could throw his name in the hat for the NFL draft. I really do. But that's something he's got to show he's getting better at as the year goes on before it's all said and done. So, all right. Yep. Well, do you have anything else? I got nothing else. I have five minutes till I got to go be an academic for okay. the next couple hours. So, well, um, as far that's as gonna do it, man. Goes, yeah. As far as recruiting goes, obviously we'll have a full visitor list up on the board throughout the week. Uh, Oklahoma's mm-hmm. got some big names in town this weekend. So we'll keep tabs on all of that for all of you and more over at OUinsider.com. Yeah. One of them is a big time 2023 edge rusher, by the way, that we broke the news on earlier this week. So, um, yeah, you guys, OU Insider, look, we're growing in droves right now. I think it's been, what, the second or third week, second or third month in a row that we've hit almost 200 new members. And that's thanks to you guys. We're we're heading for a record. We already have a record month for October with 15 and a half million. But we're closing in on 20 million potentially by the, by the at the rate that we're going page views at the end of this month and I, I can't thank you OU fans enough obviously we put out the content for you guys but at the same time you guys also make it happen being OU fans and clicking on our site and coming and reading our stories and joining OU Insider VIP and being paying members and we can't thank you guys enough and we're ultimately going to do another thank you for you guys here down the road pretty quickly uh, I think in November we're going to do another thank you giveaway, uh, maybe for a, a bigger game. Hopefully, some tickets. Uh, we give. We've already given away two games this year. Uh, we've given away a bunch of other prizes, Amazon gift cards, all that stuff. Just a thank you to you guys. Uh, but you can join OU Insider right now for one dollar. The first month you can try us out. If you don't like it, you can cancel. That's all you got to do. Give us a try. It's $9.95 afterwards, or you can join right now for $75 and get a whole year. It'll get you all the way almost to the month of November through the 2022 season. It means you'll get National Signing Day, both National Signing Days. You'll get the, all the spring stuff. You'll get all the, the junior days in the spring and the winter. You're going to get all the playoffs. You're going to get all the, the summer official visitors. You're going to get the starter next year. You're going to get all the visitor stuff, the commitments through 2023 and 2024. You're going to get all of that for $75. It's originally priced at a little over, I think it's 107.52 or something like that. 
So it's a great deal right now. If you want to be an OU Insider member, join the thousands and thousands of members that are already on there talking OU football 24-7. That's why we are OU 24-7 on o- at OUinsider.com. Uh, so come join us, man. You got Parker, myself, Colin Kennedy, uh, Joey Helmer. We bring the goods each and every day, whether it's basketball, football, baseball, recruiting, gymnastics, golf. It doesn't matter. We cover it all for you guys because we cover OU for you guys, OU Athletics. Thank you all. That's going to do it for the OU Insider Under the Visor Sooners podcast. My name is Brandon Drum. That's Parker Thune. You all have a blessed day, and we will see you all on the post-game podcast after OU takes on Texas Tech this Saturday at 2.30 p.m. Y'all have a blessed day.